Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and the return of the Dispatches. Dispatches are our shorter form episodes that are usually a single story or a conversation around a specific laser focused topic. I was inspired to bring them back to life after seeing a post from Sophie Roberts on Instagram. Sophie featured on one of our podcasts in a double episode special feature and is one of our most listened to guests. She's just been out in Nepal traveling for the first time since before COVID-19 hit. Having just been evacuated from the country on a humanitarian flight, Sophie's now quarantining in Portugal. Her insight and frontline perspective on the current situation in the mountainous regions of Nepal and the area surrounding Everest is important, poignant and a commentary on the state of the world at large. This is a gritty, honest account of a journalist at the forefront of the search for genuine story right in the eye of a storm. Okay, over to Sophie Roberts. So I have not um, travelled long haul like everybody since the start of this pandemic. Um, It's the longest period in my life where I've not been on a flight um, some 18 months. And I went to Nepal um, for journalistic reasons, um, for a story for one of the big newspapers, as well as uh, to shoot a documentary piece that was focusing um, on the effects of COVID-19 on a population that depends heavily upon tourism and the mountaineering economy. And I arrived full of trepidation. I traveled um, full of fear. I am not a fearful traveler, but something had definitely happened to my psyche, like everyone's during this sort of period of trauma. And that um, articulated itself for me with a sense of deep unease on the aeroplane, even though I was fully vaccinated. It, um, it, it articulated itself with a complete shock at Doha Airport in um, Qatar, where I had to change planes for Kathmandu, which felt like another world to the England that I'd just come from. Um, Doha was popping with um, travellers of every kind. Um, um, you could you could tell there were holidaymakers in flip flops um, going for a suntan. There were migrant workers travelling out of um, African nations. Doha is one of those super hubs. Um, there were um, Asian 
uh, travelers uh, coming in from the other side. It felt you couldn't get, you couldn't get a spot in a lounge to sit in and work. It was so busy. And then I arrived from there, which was like the threshold of another reality into Kathmandu. Um, Kathmandu was quiet. I was traveling with support from the National Tourist Board. I went with my eyes wide open, according to the um, facts I could find about the pandemic's hold in Nepal. It wasn't so bad. But then as I went out into, I was working in the remote areas of the Solokumbu. The Solokumbu is a region of eastern Nepal um, where Everest is located. But my focus is on the valleys and on the culture of those valleys where the Sherpa um, people live and where um, they, those, those are the people that um, work within the chains of um, the mountain tourism industry, by which I mean they are trekking to the big peaks, uh, working with the international um, mountaineering companies, et cetera, et cetera. But I was trying to get into their lives, everyday lives, um, their family lives, and what it means to be working in this industry at a time when there has been nothing. Now, the, when the pandemic first hit, the government of Nepal gave each family a five kilogram bag of rice. That was it. No furlough like there is in our country. Uh, no handouts, just one five kilogram of rice. Uh, these people in remote areas, they, they live by a daily wage. So if they don't get paid today, they go hungry tomorrow. And that is acutely different from the experience in my own country and other Western nations where it's been hard, but it hasn't been that. So that's what I was um, looking at and the, the culture of resilience, um, the, 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 the um, Sherpa culture is closely wound up with Buddhist um, faith and the monasteries, and one in particular I spent time, had had a much higher rise in incoming monks, young, young men and boys who were joining the monkhood partly through poverty um, and partly through hope that faith would bring blessings in the karmic circle of wheel of life, you know. Um, so that was really interesting. The, the monasteries were doing really well. People that could were giving and um, the numbers were, were building in those, in those essentially they're kind of social organizations that, 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 that prop up community. That was heartening. The other thing that I witnessed was when people have been working in the mountain economy where they are working with tourism, that no longer exists. It's just dead. It's gone. You have an alternative, which is to go back to the soil and the earth. And um, in those regions, those people are very capable of growing their way through it. So literally planting the seeds in the earth to feed their families. So there were these, these sort of strands that I could find that I could hold on to 
that represented resilience and community power and this sort of threading of um, relationships which are there. Community, community in a way that we discovered with shock and horror exists in, 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 in Britain when everyone's against the wall. Um, in that part of the world, it's part of their DNA and it's, it's come good because government sure hasn't been able to help or has chosen to help. What became, um, what, what I didn't expect was this explosion of a new strain that was coming in from India. We were all watching the news and Nepal has an open border with India. So while I was there, they, um, Nepal went into full lockdown. All flights were stopped. The, apart from flights to India, uh, which is extraordinary. So that route was still wide open. And the numbers started flying up very fast. And um, it was pretty terrifying. I left Kathmandu at e in the evening on a special humanitarian chartered flight out. I was very, very lucky to get a spot on it. I, it, we drove through in the, it was nightfall and over the river and you could see the fires burning on the pyres. You could see these fires burning, just a line of lights. You could see people at the gates of the crematorium. You could see a wall of smoke across a silent city from these burning funeral pyres. I've stepped out of that world. And again, it was like another threshold onto a plane where people fighting to get seats and through the other side, through various, because of various reasons, the passport I hold, um, the, uh, the, the, the flights that I could get. I ended up in Lisbon, where I'm talking to you now. And it, I, I, it's like, it's like sort of, it's almost like a sort of bipolar world. It's absolutely extraordinary from this desperate situation in Nepal which is not getting the news cover it should, into a place that's just come out of the other side, into May sunshine, purple blossoms everywhere, red blossoms on the on the pavements that feel like when the sun is on them, those little white cobbles are streets of gold. There's a huge sense of vitality and vibrancy and gratitude and community and everyone is together and there's music. And on Sunday, I was just walking through the streets of Santa Catarina and there's just like this incredible um, um, singing voice. And I turned the corner, opened the doors into this bar where there was a group of, I don't know, 20, 30, 30 people eating spectacular um, uh, Lebanese food. And I got talking to the guy and he said, "It's this is an old hostel. Um, a bunch of us have taken it over. It's now a community house where there is going to be all these things going on. We change, we bring in a different cook every day. It's inexpensive. It's about threading the community again, bringing it together again. And it had such vitality, I can't tell you. So from Nepal to that within the space of days is to me an extreme example 
of the um, even greater division that we're looking at as travellers and as human beings between countries that have and have not, between vaccine security and insecurity, between um, 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 functioning government and dysfunctional government. Um, it is, we all, travellers know that exists. It's part of, of, of the sort of the extremes that we do experience. But right now, right now, it is on a profound level that takes time to recalibrate and process. I'm a writer and a journalist, and those, it's taken me about a week to, and I've got another week here to work through my quarantine, but it's taken me about a week to be able to even articulate that disparity. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What does that experience add up to beyond the anecdotal? It tells me that we have to travel with a much um, bigger it tells me that we have to travel with a much bigger heart and not expect travel just to be an experience where we where we um where we consume um but where we seek to understand and in seeking to understand you can't click your fingers you can't you can't you can't want this or that experience because we have just entered a world of um of caprice and risk and um serendipity has a different power in in when when those things are going on you don't quite know what to expect i didn't know if i was going to get out in the pool i've still got friends who are stuck in the pool on other passports that won't get out for some time the that throws things around. There was one Australian I've met. He won't get into his country again until next year. So you've got to know when you're leaving that you might be leaving for longer than you expect. You've got to know when you're trying to come back that it won't necessarily be a straight route home. You know, I've got two young kids back in where I live in Dorset. Um, that was the risk I knowingly took. Um, they knowingly accepted, but it wasn't to the extreme that has come about. And that's what, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I think we need to, we need to learn and relearn. I process these things through the um, act of writing um, and it takes me time. And blocking it out is the is the thing I don't I don't want to do, and it's not why I go. I I I travel to face things. I write to confront things. So, 
Um, but it just takes longer to process it um, than, you know, I used to be able to go to a place, write from a place, file from a place and be be done with the place and then move on to the next. Um, this requires a different sort of emotional spectrum as you work it out. Um, I, I, it's, a, you know, there are so many confused feelings of um, guilt, of, of privilege, um, of um, passport power, vaccine power, all of these things. And we've got to be honest about those. But we also have to remember, you know, um, in my own country, uh, there has been a, there, we've had a terrible experience and a loss of life as well. It was different to what I saw in Nepal. I visited a hospital in Nepal. I spent some time um, in a hospital in Nepal with a brilliant, brilliant doctor who was doing brave work. Um, this is a hospital that had um, no ICU beds for adults. Um, and it was a pretty important hospital in a, in a region where people were walking sometimes four days for treatment. Um, being carried for something like a broken leg. Um, so imagine COVID in those, in that kind of world. But the, the, um, I think that, I think that what travelers as they start to go back out there, I just think that that sort of tone deaf consumption of, as travel almost like a sort of a calling card that that has gone <laughs> it's something else now it's still beautiful it's still um it's it's a human experience it's a connecting experience and i advocate it for those reasons but it is the dark has entered the room it's not just a light bright holiday anymore and that's the difference you fall in love with travel not because of place however spectacular the view from the top of the mountain might be or the or the sensation of being on an open ocean um i've i've for my own part i've always fallen travel with in love with travel because of the people i've met along the way it's just those stories of people that you meet along the way are no longer just smiles um as they might have been pre-pandemic it's people where where their sorrow and loss in a different way now and, you know, in every story I heard, and there were some very, very moving ones of, because in Nepal, it's also a remittance economy. You know, the, the, I think it's something like staggering, like one in, one in three um, working age Nepalese are working overseas and sending the money back. Now, what happens when borders come down? <laughs> That's a whole other thing. It's not just about the the fact there's no mountaineers in Nepal, so you can't get your daily wage working in that industry. It's a remittance economy as well. And that remittance economy is based on travel and freedom to move and 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 um, to work overseas. So families are being separated for longer or they're being sent back in the time of COVID. So that's another kind of, there's all these sort of hidden hidden narratives of suffering and you hear them. You know, there was one guy I spent time with who's been separated from his wife um, throughout this pandemic and she works as a housekeeper in Cyprus.
So there's so many hidden stories. But what I suppose my point is, is we've all suffered in this pandemic. We have all suffered. But it's only when you step back into those, um, into a country like Nepal that doesn't have the same um, structures that we have in support in, in, in both um, medicine and in government and in social security that you realize how, um, how, how, how deep and difficult that pain can really run. Um, so again, travel will always give perspective. Uh, right now, that perspective will move you to tears. The difference between hope and despair is a different way of telling stories from the same facts. That was the British philosopher Alain de Botton said that. And I think it's brilliant because there, there is, the, what I saw in Nepal was at one level, because we were going into this full-on lockdown, a massive surge without any beds to save lives, without any oxygen to save lives. That's despair. But the other side of that, that culture is, um, is based on hope. It's to do with faith. It's to do with Buddhism. It's to do with community. And all of those things have felt stronger than ever. The way that these people support, believe, and feed each other, the way that they look to accept this pandemic in the wheel of life, because it will keep moving, it will turn again. So if you want a hopeful ending to this conversation, it is built into the DNA of those cultures in those mountains. Thanks for listening. You can keep up to date with Sophie's work on Instagram at Sophie underscore Roberts. For more information on the podcast, visit theadventurepodcast.co.uk. The podcast is hosted by Matt Pycroft, produced by Kate Bullivan, Pip Saunders and Alex Hall. And if you want to get in touch, then you can email us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk or stay in touch at theadventurepodcast on Instagram.